0: Welcome to Writer on the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to episode 135 of Writer on the Road. Today, it's raining in Brisbane. We're all snuggled up and I've been reading the most amazing book. It's a book that I have not put down in the last 24 hours, Uh, Table for Eight by Tricia Stringer. And she's my guest today. She's here in Brisbane. She's brought an awful lot of rain with her. Uh, She's going to be at Chermside during the week and then she's off to Toowoomba. But the reason I've got her on today is because this is a women's fiction novel as opposed to her uh, usual, I think, rural romance novels that she writes and historical romance novels. And there seems to be a real trend Towards women's fiction and the bigger, meatier novels uh, that are that or sagas that are starting to come out. And this is a particular interest of mine. Uh, Patric- oh, sorry, Trisha's uh, writing reminded me a little bit of the Penny Vincenzi type era, where you go a lot deeper into your characters. Trisha, I think she balances five points of view. She tells me in the interview, and and I like that idea of getting to know our characters. Um, Keddie is the main protagonist in in Table for Eight, and it's that whole. I guess the back in the days when there was opulence and grandeur and romance and this is all about couturier fashion uh, and then she goes off on a cruise, which is where Table for Eight takes us. Uh, But as I start to do or get very much into my research and writing of my novel, I really have to admit that over the years the stories that I read are those bigger, meatier novels, so I'm really pleased that they're starting to really make a really big comeback and we look at the the things that Natasha uh, Lester and people like that are doing and so very very successful I think Natasha just um, heard from her publisher that she's getting more print runs in America and really taking off in England and I thought wouldn't it be great if we start to see a lot more of these these bigger richer uh, novels that are that are starting to to appear on our shelves. I don't even know what's coming up for Christmas, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. Here at Writer on the Road, I've got Rachel Johns coming on during the week as we start to hear about what's going on over in Western Australia uh, with their festival coming up in November. We're starting to get some releases through for Christmas, and I've got another interview that I nearly had recorded, but I blew it. Uh, Lisa Messenger. She uh, now she's an interesting lady here in Australia and I've been buying her books for some time now uh, so she'll be coming up on the podcast shortly as well but for today sit back listen to Trisha and we were talking a little bit about marketing because I think trying to get word out and all the library tours and all the online marketing it becomes an interesting conversation as we all I think learn from each other and see what we need to do um, but I'd love to hear what you think of Table for Eight because it's one of the most enjoyable reads that I've had in a while but I'm not quite sure if the rain or the rainy in weekend we've had here in Brisbane didn't contribute to that welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're off to sunny South Australia in a weird kind of way because I have our today's guest here with me in Brizzy and it's bucketing down rain. Welcome Tricia Stringer.
1: Well, Thank you. I wish I could pipe some of this rain home to sunny South Australia.
0: Yeah. Now, Trisha, for all our international listeners and people who don't know, Trisha is a best selling uh, author and an award winning author as well, I should say, here in Oz. And she writes historicals, rural romances. And the one that I'm excited to talk to her about today is her first women's fiction novel, Table for Eight. Uh, congratulations, Trisha, on such a fantastic novel.
1: Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun writing it. So I'm glad readers are enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Okay, everyone, it is set on a cruise ship and I have been reading this thing in the name of research, as we always do, uh, before I spoke to you today, Tricia, and I've only gotten about halfway through because I got distracted with loads of washing, uh, but I did get to travel out through the beautiful Sydney heads and I'm off to the South Pacific. Can you tell us what inspired this one?
1: Yes, I was on my first cruise and it was uh, with Friends who were celebrating a special birthday and I got sat at a table the first night with a group of people I didn't know and there was a woman who was uh, of senior, more senior years, single, um, quite flamboyant and she welcomed all of us strangers to her table as if it was her own table and she just Uh, had us all feeling at ease and she just sparked some interest in me because at the end of the night I realised we'd learnt lots about each other but not too much about her and I thought wonder what her story is and I never actually got to speak to her again on the cruise. I ended up then back with my friends and didn't uh, talk to her again so I made up a story for her and that story was the catalyst for writing Table for Eight.
0: Now, I'm hooked, everybody. This is a beautiful story. Not only is it about older characters, it's set on a cruise ship. They sail the South Pacific and it has a wonderful, wonderful heroine that right from the first page I fell in love with, her name is Ketty, and she's going on this cruise on the Diamond Duchess. But this book is about clothes and jewellery and cocktails and menus. It's something out of a pure romantic saga of the olden days, isn't it?
1: Uh, Well, yes, it's just a mixture of things. It it developed uh, out of, as I said, that first encounter I had with the woman that I called Ketty and then the love of cruising and all the things that come with it and the, you know, just the sheer, um, I guess, indulgence really of being totally looked after once you get there and the enjoyment of visiting um, new destinations, but just being part of a, a floating resort really. And then, the fact that not only Ketty, when I looked around me, it's 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 a bit like a small town a cruise ship full of people and and uh, you know a mixed such a mixture of people. It was just very intriguing for my writer's brain.
0: Yeah, and one of the things as a writer that I wanted to um, put out there right at the beginning, Tricia, is it's told from multiple viewpoints, and they're all characters that we can relate to, aren't they?
1: Yes, um, I think so. Like there are uh, five different points of view, which is sometimes tricky to keep all those balls in the air. Um, you don't want to lose readers by jumping around too much, but I think it, it fitted together quite nicely because they're all quite different people and how they all then uh, merge together and then with the extra few characters where you're not actually in their point of view, but they're part of the story. So I think, yeah, it all came together quite well. But as a writer, it's, yeah, it can be tricky to juggle sometimes.
0: Yeah, now, everyone, I was reading this beautiful story, this beautiful, I think she's 70, you can correct me on that, Uh, Ketty, she's a uh, couturier. I guess. She's a dressmaker in this beautiful, beautiful shop in Sydney and she goes on this cruise, The Ultimate Lady. And the very first character I got to meet was Bernard or Bernard and the first thing he said was, fuck, and I went, oh, Oh, I love him already. Uh, you really get inside your character's head. It seemed to be one of the things that
1: grabbed me straight away. He—he's an interesting character, a bit of a playboy in a way, in his own mind anyway, um, but also a fairly strong—you know—a nice man, but strongly opinionated as well. And I just—he was having this conversation where he was frustrated, and my one of my daughter-in-laws when she read the book she said oh my goodness Patricia's used the F word um because normally I avoid it um but I just thought it was quite you know I don't mind reading it in a story if it's appropriate and in his case I just thought it was appropriate
0: I've got to tell you, everybody, I'm enamoured with this book and I'm actually, I buy all my books for research in ebooks, but this one I'm going to, as soon as I finish this interview, I'm going to pop down to Dimmicks and grab it in in paperback. I just want to tear it apart and see how you did this. What do you think the difference is between women's fiction and the rural romances that you wrote?
1: I found it quite different to write. I think it's a much deeper look at relationships and a more gentle Peeling away of what makes people react the way they do, think the way they do, to act the way they do, uh, you know, and how they interact with other people. It's that um, a slower peeling back and and looking into what makes people tick. I think, then a real romance is perhaps a little bit more direct. Um, that you know. I guess that's the way I can explain it. Yeah, I think the thing that uh,
0: interested me was the depth of characterisation. I knew every one of those characters. I've met every one of those characters in real life. And I cringed along with, um, is it Maud and some of the stuff she was doing and some of the things Christine was
1: saying to her poor old husband, Frank, who, you know, copped heaps.
0: Uh, Yes. We know them, don't we, as we go along?
1: Yes, and I think that's it. You you learn their back. Story: why they're like they are and you can perhaps see aspects of them in other people that you might know um you know and yeah it's just it's just makes them more real I think
0: yeah and I can tell you everybody that you you want to punch some of these characters at times with what they do and then the other ones you just fall in love with now I fell a bit a little bit in love with Carlos he was he was the maitre d wasn't he he was beautiful oh
1: thank you I'm glad
0: (laughs) yeah um the reason i'm i'm talking a little bit more than usual about characterization everybody is because a lot of i guess the romances that you wrote is they're fairly straightforward but once you start playing with more characters i know we notice this with natasha Lester this is book number 10 for you and I guess you stretch yourself as a writer when you start to delve more deeply like you do
1: most definitely yes so w- when I first wrote the story the very first draft it was much more pared back than obviously the final edit is and so yes then I had to after that first draft go in and and add those layers in some cases make make the characters uh, fleshier um and I mean I I sort of feel I like to do that in my rural romances as well but yeah it's just such a different way of writing I had to really revisit a lot of a lot of the story again and again more so and also my editor was a wonderful help in just pointing out some things that you know suggest making suggestions you know like you could go in this direction that were very helpful in just fleshing out those characters
0: yeah and this is really interesting everybody as you know we we talk um indie um, publishing and traditional publishing but when I looked at this one and how you put it together and the depth of characterization and it's a woman's novel versus a you know a romance novel is this where you think the the editorial support really kicks into its own?
1: Well for me it certainly did I I, I mean I've had obviously editorial support with all of my books but I haven't I think with this one, there was a lot more we did together than in some of the others, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm very, very grateful to my editor in bringing out, I think, the best in me in, in my writing, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now you started writing in your 40s. You've got 10 novel, novels written. You've been a teacher, librarian, uh, a post office owner and a bookshop owner uh, and now you're a full-time writer.
1: That's right. I am. <laughs> I <laughs> Mostly the, the things my husband uh, and I owned the post office and bookshop together, but obviously I was teaching part-time when we had that, so I was only working there part-time. But the bookshop was a lovely um, add to a country uh, post office. And so, yes, we had that for several years. And then, uh, yeah, so now I've got to the stage where I was able to say goodbye to the teaching and and I I really, I mean, I did that with a heavy heart in some ways because I loved teaching, but also because Harlequin had offered me a four book contract, I thought, you know, if I don't take this opportunity and give it my best shot, I'll, I'll be sorry. So it was one of those fork in the road moments in your life where you, you know, you choose one way and take a bit of a leap of faith and it's worked out really well.
0: Yeah, now I think the uh, books that I had on my bookshelf for the last couple of years, and you're one of the first books I bought when I was down here in Brizzy, and it was the Vines series. The, sorry, I missed that. Ah, uh, the Vines. They were the, I think they were the rural romance ones.
1: Ah, uh, so Between the Vines was one of my rural romances?
0: Yep, that's the one. That's the one I'm
1: thinking yeah. of. Yep, Yes. Yes. So that. Uh, that was one of my, well, it came out a couple of years ago, yeah, set in Coonawarra Wine Country in South Australia.
0: Yeah, um, that's probably why I bought it, Tricia, to be honest. It was probably set in the wineries. I thought, oh, I've got to know more about this.
1: Yes, yes. Well, you know, research is very important to me. So I had to uh, do a lot of wine research to get that one right.
0: Yeah, and you had to do a lot of cruising research to get this one right. I believe you did a, a yes. cruise from Sydney. Right, to- right. Yeah, you did a cruise from Sydney to Brisbane?
1: Yes, yes. So once I realised that I needed to set the story on a cruise ship and I wanted to have the Sydney experience of of leaving from Sydney Harbour, uh, I went looking for a cruise and found one and and, um, my son and and daughter-in-law live in Brisbane. So I said to my husband, we could, instead of flying up there, we'll go to Sydney and cruise up there. And that way I can go with um, my questions in hand and, and my camera and just yeah, to test out a lot of the, the, the theories and the questions that I had from starting my story.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what one of the things I really noticed when I read this novel was the immediacy of it. And I could I could picture you, or sorry, I could picture your heroine, I could picture her standing first in line waiting to go into the dining room before everyone queued up behind her. It's like we're there with your characters,
1: isn't it? Yes, I hope so. That that's my intention that you you know for people I just sort of think if people have cruised they will have some relationship there that they'll they'll already see and if they haven't cruised that they'll have read the book Feelings if perhaps they have almost been on a cruise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and there was one I had a bit of a chuckle uh last night. I was reading away, and there was this little section in the book where uh Kitty was getting ready to go on the cruise and she had to get the cat out of a suitcase. And the reason I chuckled is because I was reading uh about Patch in the in the novel, but I that triggered something in me immediately. I remember seeing when you were packing to come up here to your uh, Packing to come up here to do your um, book promotions, you had a picture on Facebook of you getting your own cat out of the suitcase. It's like reality triggered the story, or the story triggered the cat to get into your suitcase.
1: Yes, it's not the first time I've had to remove my cat from a suitcase, so I it was easy to add that in to her story. Certainly, if she was, you know, I mean, once you start to pack created this nice little nest and if you walk away from it that's the first place the cat finds is this lovely little nest that you've made for them yeah
0: and that's what it's everyone it's where I wanted to the interview to go today uh and I deliberately uh, transitioned here because I was so excited. I was reading a novel, uh, reading novels that you love to read and then trying to write them. And this is a novel that has particularly resonated with me. It's it's in an area that I know started in Sydney, out under Sydney Harbour. I've sailed on Sydney Harbour and out through the heads. Um, I've been on cruises. I've had cats in suitcases. And it made me really think about our readers. Uh, and the title for this thing is going to be How to Write a Book Your Readers Want to Read. Now, I've been following you on Facebook, so I know a little bit of your story. I know your cat and I saw Patch. Do you think there's a real benefit? You're up to book number 10 and you're giving readers what they want, but readers get to know you more intimately through your social media, I guess?
1: Uh, Yes, I I think um, a social media presence is important and that's because I like to share you know aspects of those things without sort of being too detailed because I think nobody wants to read that I've you know just had my breakfast and made a cup of coffee sort of thing but um, that they just might be interested to see the sorts of things that I find funny or um, you know happen in in my life that often and I, and what I find is I get responses from the people who follow the social media saying oh yes you know I, my cat does that too or, or I've you know, had that same thing happen to me or, you know, so it's just nice to make that connection because writers spend a lot of time on their own and, um, you know, in an office and not, so it's nice to be able to, my, you know, my first joy is actually getting out and like I am now and being able to go and actually meet readers face to face. But if I can't do that, then the next best thing is to, to be able to share with them things on social media. And so that's what I try to do, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I've got to admit, I didn't realise the absolute joy of reading in the novel and going, Oh, I just saw that on Facebook. And I felt like so <laughs> clever. I thought, oh that, was, oh that was a bit of a coincidence, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought it just put social media and authors in into a much more central position for me as far as our readers are concerned now I know you guys do social media really well and and I'm talking about people like Rachel Johns and Annie Seaton and all of you guys out there who who really focus on sharing your books far and wide even with traditional publishing now marketing really is at the forefront of your efforts isn't it
1: definitely I think I, I actually um when I first started writing, I did some self-publishing and I think that was a really good um, lead-in for me to understand the whole process of, of writing a story and getting it to readers and following through with, you know, how do they know about it and, you know, what would make them want to read it. So, uh, you know, that was really a really good learning curve for me and then to have a traditional publisher then to work with and have their resources at hand is, is fabulous. But um, it, it's also very important that writers do a lot of their own, you know, marketing and, and just have a presence so that people can find out about them and, you know, find out more about their books, the backstories and that sort of thing. Cause you can't meet everybody face to face, unfortunately. So, you know, social media is a great way to um, share, share the, the ideas behind the book and lots more about the author
0: yeah and that's what i wanted to um spend the a little bit more of our time on today everyone because i think uh we sometimes think our traditional publishers um you guys have it a little bit easier than indies because indies you know bend over backwards playing with amazon algorithms trying to get their books out there but you guys work just as hard um to to get your books out and about now one advantage I know with you guys is that your publishers send out advanced copies to the rest of us so that um we can we can talk about your books as well but I read something on Beauty and Lace a book club and your publisher gave away 20 books for to Beauty and Lace to 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 give away on your behalf
1: Yes, that happens from time to time, you know, and not with necessarily every book, I suppose, um, with every author. But it just depends on what their push is at that time. And and, um, Beauty and Lace is an established book club, so I I guess they thought that was a good one to, uh, you know, do that particular thing with. There were all sorts of things that they did in the lead up to this book. I know some people... Uh, won the book or received the book at, um, I won't get the title exactly right, those uh, Chicks at the Flicks, I think it's called, Um, Mm -hmm. where you can go along and, um, you know, see a preview of a movie and they often have giveaways. I've been to some myself and it's lots of fun and you have some giveaway products. And so my book at one particular um, movie was one of the giveaways for some people so you know there were a lot there's lots of different things that they uh, publishers try to just spread the word a bit more and um, get people sort of talking about the book yeah and I think
0: I actually think that this is probably the most exciting thing that's happening is that publishers are coming on board and they're I'm seeing them more and more uh, spreading the books around social media like bloggers and um, even authors just holding up your book and, and there is so much more opportunity for you now but I'm noticing also another trend that visiting a lot of libraries you guys are doing a lot of library tours now I'm not sure here in Brisbane whether the Brisbane City Council is sponsoring you because I noticed you're on their website
1: uh my publisher is bringing me here yeah yeah but libraries are great um I mean I, I worked in a library for a long time myself so it's another hat that I've had um and it's it's um you know, it's such a wonderful environment for writers to go into. So, you know, you've got a group of readers there who are keen and libraries promote you coming along and they're always very welcoming. And so I always love library visits because that means you know you get to talk to readers and um, meet and, and often an event is free at libraries in most cases. So you know that's great too. You know, people don't have to walk out money to come along they can just come along and enjoy it and often have a cuppa or something you know along the way so um I just think the libraries um do a great job in giving a a space for authors to meet readers
0: yeah and I was watching you uh I think it was Mount Barker you you've been doing the library Oh, what was that? Um, sorry, everyone, we've got a bit of a lag here. We've got a lot of storms happening around, so I actually think Trish, Trisha and I are managing uh, our sound as best we can today, so bear with us. Uh, Mount Barker, now I've been to Mount Barker. I almost had a little vicarious trip around South Australia as you ran around promoting your book at the local libraries down there.
1: Yes, yes, I had a, a great time, and when I return at the end of the month, I've still got a few more to do. So that, you know, my home state is always very welcoming well as they are interstate too but I guess I see a lot more of my home state but I love the Mount Barker visit I haven't I hadn't um, been to that library before and I actually had a green room which has never happened to me in a library visit before so that was I felt very special there yeah it was and it was a lovely crowd we had a great night.
0: I'm going to show my ignorance here everybody what's a green room?
1: oh so a green room is somewhere where people who are about to go on to uh, an event like like an author speaking um it's a it's a room where you wait and usually there are you know there's drinks and or you know a cuppa or a refreshment or something and a place to put your lippy on and <laughs> you know so that you're ready and and once once they introduce you you step out from the from the green room so um that's not ever happened <laughs> to me before um and that was very nice yes to be.
0: I love it I love it everyone and I think I'm noticing people are on the road more like Annie Seaton's out there uh she's just come back from a big tour up to the Sundays and she does the north New South Wales coast I've got Trisha here in Brisbane with me uh this week and I'll be going over to Chermside and visiting you Tricia. then you're off to Toowoomba
1: yes Yes. And then I'm heading south. So I'm going to Ballina and Lismore. And then even further south down to Victoria to Sale and Traralgan.
0: Yeah, and I think I was just thinking I've got Tess Tess Woods, I think it is. Um I think it's Tess up in the Burdekin at a writer's festival up there at the moment. I had a bit of a chat with I her. Did these photos, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, awesome photos. Yeah. And then we've got a whole crowd, everyone, heading over to WA. Uh, Next month, I'm speaking to Rachel during the week. Uh, Rachel Johns about the festival over there in November. Are you heading over to that one?
1: No, no, I'm not. I'd love to be, um, but our youngest son is being married. So we've we've got our, um, we'll be home in November doing wedding things.
0: Oh, you've got to get your priorities right, haven't you? Uh, I love, I love the whole library thing. I noticed Jen McLeod, who's travelling around Australia, she often pops into libraries, sometimes even unannounced, uh, and just chats to her readers.
1: Yes, yeah, Jen's really good at doing that. Um, yes, I, um, I like to if. But we've, we've done a bit of travelling, you know, we've only just in the last few years got a caravan and so my husband and I have done a bit of interstate travelling with that and so it means you move at a slower pace and so you stay over in places a bit longer and so, yes, I always take my books with me and have, and you know, visit the local libraries where I go and if I can and, you know, drop a book or two into them just to, you know, spread the word at... Because um, it just depends, you know, like especially the more remote places, I mean, they're a long way from bookshops. So they really need their local library to, um, you know, get their reading material for them, really.
0: Yeah, I know. Look, we had um, Janine Kimberley on the podcast, and she's a beautiful librarian down in WA, who I'm sure you know, Tricia, just for the rest of our listeners. And they are a wonderful way of getting word out about your novels uh here in Brisbane we're spoilt for libraries they're everywhere but only yesterday we were over at New Farm and we were like kids in a lolly shop we walked out with I think it was 20 books between us uh you just get it just you know they're all treasures aren't they
1: they are indeed yes yes and you know depending on where you are but pretty much uh, it's a free service
0: yeah it is then we walked around to I think it was um, Mary Ryan bookshop and I think we bought another five so I don't think we got out of it so cheaply
1: (laughs) (laughs) no neither have I I've been um, visiting booksellers and signing books while I've been here and uh, I came home with yes a bag full and I'm looking at my case thinking I've got to get these back to South Australia but I couldn't resist
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think everyone, because it's coming up to Christmas, there's some fantastic books coming out and from our Aussie authors and some of our international authors too. Um, that I've got, I think I've got Fiona Harper coming on. She's, I think she's in England. I think uh, she's coming on the podcast uh, soon, I hope. And I look, if you tried to buy all the books that were coming out, uh, you'd be there forever. And that's why I, I tend to go to ebooks sometimes. And I bought yours on ebook because um, ours was a really quick turnaround for interview. And I'm just going to go out and buy it in paperback because I love it. Do you oh, do any? You got it. Look, you got it. You got to keep them. I can't help myself if I love it. I've got it, and I want to work out how you did it too. To be perfectly honest, I want to see <laughs> how you created. But because to me, the – I found that I couldn't put the thing down because of the characterisation. And I hated Christine um, at first, just like I think it was the Beauty and Lace lady said um, in her review that, oh, she wasn't a very likeable character. But you managed to redeem them all, don't you?
1: Oh Well, I try to. And once again, um, <laughs> that's where the editor helps because you get to know, you, 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 you're so close to the characters, you can't always see exactly, um, perhaps in my head, I think, one thing but a reader might think something different and so my editor thought that I was being a little bit tough on poor old Christine and I needed to make her a little bit more redeemable um which she was in the end I think she yeah
0: uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't Christine I felt sorry for her. it was poor old husband Frank I thought I'd slap her <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but
0: it, but it was interesting you got on to you got your characters onto the boat and I'm still talking about marketing here everybody I've just got off a little bit uh, and once you're on the cruise ship all your phones went off and there was no social media, there was no anything. And I thought, wouldn't we all kill to be able to do that occasionally?
1: Yes. It, and it very much depends on who you're cruising with. And, uh, you know, it's different, obviously with different lines, but you know, it's good in a way it it's, um, I guess, um, a lot of them, you know, you pay for wireless and even when you pay for it, it's not a, fantastic connection so you see a lot of people when they get off the ships they head for cafes where there's free wi-fi and or um, town centres sometimes have free wi-fi and you see everybody sort of checking then but I actually found it fantastic not to have social media while I was cruising because then you could just totally focus on everything else.
0: Yeah and um, it's just come to mind as we're talking Ali Sinclair and Tina Clark they had their writer's retreat on a cruise ship and I just thought I'm going on that next year it sounded like so much fun and I spoke to you before the podcast today Tricia your book is crying out for a writer's retreat on a cruise ship
1: isn't it? (laughs) i think it'd be lovely i'd be more than happy yes
0: (laughs) yeah it seems to be the way i I, I, there's quite a few authors now who who get a little group together and they trot off somewhere bring bring some of their uh would-be writers along and share their experiences while at the same time they're always in these lovely exotic settings with lots of beautiful food
1: yes yes the food is pretty good
0: yeah there should be more of it okay are you going to do any online promotion, which is where I was rambling on my way through there and then I got distracted by the character shit again?
1: <laughs> um, so, sorry, by online promotion, your meaning? Uh, blog tours and all that kind of stuff. Um, there have been a few already. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned uh, Michelle at Beauty and Lace and um, and now my mind is going black. starts at 60. We've had uh, some some uh different coverage there and a bit more to come um just can't think now what the others are there's there's yeah there's a mixture of things certainly happening with um a lot of online with the herald sun book club uh there's been a bit of interest there with and that that's um, a that's got an actual book club attached to that too like you were saying with beauty and lace so yeah there's a mixture of things happening yeah. So as, a, as an author
0: and as as advice to authors who are listening today um, to me, meander through my Sunday afternoon here, uh, you've really got to push all avenues, haven't you?
1: I think so. Yes. Um, I, you know, I've, I've had people, you know, for me, as I said, this has been a long journey and I've done lots of things and tried lots of things. And that's all you can do is just try something and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, or it maybe it didn't work this time, but it might work next time. And you know, there's there's so many different avenues. I mean, because my book was set, this new book, Table for Eight, was set um, on a cruise ship leaving Sydney Harbour. We had a lovely event, a pre-launch event in Sydney, organised by my uh, my publisher, with some lovely photos at from a from um, you know a hotel looking over the harbour, and I mean that lent itself beautifully to that story but of course the next story will be totally different so you know it that wouldn't necessarily work for it so you you just you look always looking for ideas and things that might um link to your particular story and help promote it and you know in the case of this one luckily my my publisher were also worked hard to get um a cruise giveaway so one lucky reader is going to win a cruise for two from P&O so that's pretty fantastic
0: <laughs> oh there you go everybody just what we want um, and it, there's a moral to it too don't go and set your stories in little country towns <laughs> go, go for the exotic uh, I, think, I think what attracted me to this story was the opulence the grandeur the beauty like Ketty has this wonderful dress shop and it's it's back like in the olden days everybody it might be sort of like the Natasha Lester type story where this heroine dresses people and makes them beautiful and it's the one-on-one service um of making your customers feel special and poor old Kitty you know she's she's getting on in years now and she's done this wonderful service her actual success comes from her young girl Lacey who she left back in the shop who actually put all her business online didn't she
1: yeah yeah so um you know, I, I found Ketty uh, is, has never been very interested in online because she's built her service around making the customer face-to-face feel special. So it's been uh, difficult for her to understand the online world. And so, yeah, that was interesting to have, a you know, a bit of a play with that aspect of the story too because, I mean, online is of interest to me, um, but I know lots of people, who aren't online and you know that's the other thing that I have to remember with my readership is that there's a significant number of people who uh, aren't necessarily online they're not on Facebook they're not on Instagram they don't listen to podcasts sorry (laughs) Um, so you know you have to also be aware um, of those readers as well and how to get your message out to those readers.
0: Yeah, and, that's, and I think that's that whole marketing thing that has me has me fascinated, uh, watching you promote your novel. Now, we had The Backpacking Housewife on everybody and her promotion all over the world. She's turned up in newspapers. She's turned up. She really had marketing down pat. She's an indie publisher, but this one was through, um, oh, it wasn't Mills and Boone. It was one of those. Um, oh, I've forgotten. Um, but it was a romance line. Oh, Harlequin. It was Harlequin. Harlequin. And, yeah, she has done the most amazing marketing that I've ever seen done by anybody. And then I have watched you come along and you're doing your marketing and as you said you learned a lot when you did that self-publishing right at the beginning you've got to reach everyone and you've got to try everything to reach them I mean I didn't know there was anyone who didn't listen to podcasts anymore or, or, <laughs> <laughs> oh all right I know nobody listens to podcasts um,
1: but you've <laughs> got well, lots of people do but you know we have to remember there's lots of people that don't
0: <laughs> yeah oh they will once they get those things in your home what is it google home and you know you yeah. just tell it to do everything and that's not that far away which which is a bit scary, Um, but imagine people who don't have social media. Um, Like,
1: as you said, they're probably 50% of the population still out there, aren't they? Yes, and, you know, um, they're not necessarily older people either. Um, I've got some young friends who are, like, my children are in their 30s and I've got, you know, their friends... Uh, some of them are actually turning away from some aspects of social media because they don't like what they're seeing there and they're looking for other ways of uh, sharing. You know, obviously they're still online in some format, but not in necessarily the ways that we're using. So, um, yeah, I guess it's evolving. It's changing all the time.
0: Yeah. uh, Look, everybody, to be honest, I wanted to close down Facebook the other week when we got I I think it was I was one of a million that got kicked off again because of some hack. Uh, The trouble is, I'd lose all you guys. I'd lose all my writing friends. So, from a writer's perspective, I think social media has been an amazing thing because you know I got to see your cat in your suitcase. I knew you were coming. Um, There is so
1: much. I, I definitely think there's a place for it. I I think there are lots of positive things that happen and we just have to temper the bad with the positive and try and work out the best way, you know, like I endeavour, as in my stories, to be, I like my stories to be positive, um, to offer people some hope, and so that's what I try and do with my social media too. I, I try not to, you know, spread doom and gloom, it's more about, you know, what what's what's good in the world and what's what's a positive message to get across.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much, Tricia. Plus I like looking at all everybody's photographs of as you all dart around the countryside. Uh yeah, look, women's fiction, uh bigger, more complex stories. This is your first go at this deeper, more I guess intricate plotting. Uh what's next for you?
1: So next year, early next year I have another rural romance coming out in May. And then at the end of next year, there will be another women's fiction, which is still being worked on as we speak. So, uh, you know, that's still happening. So, yeah, there'll be two books next year.
0: Yeah, and and this is the thing, everybody, too, the women's, I'm assuming the women's fiction take longer to write because of the work that has to go into them. Uh, But your rural romance reader still wants to hear from you, don't they?
1: Yes, I have a large um, following on rural romance, and I, d- I don't want to leave them behind. Um, I hope that they will still enjoy reading this book. Um, but yeah, there's there, are, you know, rural romance is very popular in Australia, and so, and I enjoy writing it, so I'd like to keep doing so.
0: Yeah. So, where's next for you and your caravan? <laughs>
1: Um, we've talked a couple of things. We'd like to go back to WA because there was a big chunk that we missed, um, but also looking to go back Queensland way. So, yeah, somewhere, usually it's lovely to leave South Australia in the winter and go somewhere warmer. Um, but, yes, not quite, we haven't quite decided yet. That's got to be a big planning meeting later in the year yeah everybody
0: buy a caravan get out there uh go to all the and that's another place to sell your books as well as you pull into a caravan park you've got a lot of travellers out there sitting around the campfire and it's a captive audience isn't it
1: sure is yes yes yeah. i don't i don't tend to do too much of that because when i'm on holiday i'm on holiday but if i'm in uh yeah i tend to drop my books i guess at libraries um, and occasionally I have um, <laughs> at the front of the caravan put a little display up with them, um, you know, if we're staying somewhere for a week at a time. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice. I, I just like to give my books away actually to, you know, occasionally you, you get to know someone quite well for over a couple of days because you've been camped next to them. And it's really nice to be able to say, well, as you're heading off, well, you know, are you a reader? Would you love a book? and you know, yeah. that's my little thing that I like to do. <laughs> and,
0: and it's a good idea to everybody. Um, I've got friends who are in the caravan world and I know I always pass on books when I'm finished reading them, I pass them on to my caravanning friends and then they'll pass them on to the next person and the next person. Sometimes the people on the road full time can't carry books and they'll leave them in the laundry and that's just another way of getting the word out.
1: Uh, oh but
0: obviously <laughs> yeah. <You laughs> now I've kept
1: books goes on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've kept you long enough. There's so much more that I'd love to talk to you about, especially that plotting of big romances. But I think I'll wait, I'll buy the paperback, I'll underline everything, and then sneak you a message and say, How did you do this? Uh, (laughs) But I will finish off with one little thing, everybody. There are a couple of characters in there. Two women in their fifties, and that's something everyone. The characters are older. I love it. Uh, two characters are Maud and Celia. Now, Maud and Celia come on this cruise, and they're a crack up. You can relate to them. Uh, Celia, he's is, is on the cruise. I don't think I'm giving too much away. Her husband ditched her for a new wife. They're on the cruise. She's come on to prove to them that she's happy. And Maud makes this wonderful comment saying, look, there are so many men around here, so many opportunities. And Celia pipes back and says, yeah, but there are plenty of opportunities at our local bowls club too. <laughs> I thought, can't we all relate to it? The going down to the local bowls club on a Friday night. Uh, where can we find you?
1: Uh, I will be at Chermside uh, Library this Thursday at six o'clock. And uh, then at Toowoomba on Saturday at The Book Place and at, oh, now you're putting me on the spot, Dimmicks at Toowoomba and QBD at Toowoomba. Fantastic. And your website is just
0: trishastringer.com.au?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, is it just .com, is it? Or, Or AU, either will find me.
0: Yeah, and again, one of Trisha's little skills, I think I read there, was um, IT and graphic design, wasn't it?
1: Uh self-taught a lot, but I was um, I did a lot of IT as a teacher. I was um, a coordinator, so IT is one of the things that I enjoy. Um, but yes, a lot of it is self-taught. No, no great. Um, no great, um, you know, claim to fame with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I
0: enjoyed fossicking around your
1: website and the beautiful photo of you there um, made me
0: smile. If you haven't had a look at Table for Eight, everyone, I strongly recommend that you do. You can find Trisha and Trisha Stringer or com, and hopefully, I'll have some photos up as um, I pop up and have a listen on. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday night. Thursday night mm-hmm. at Chanside. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure Tricia will share with us um, what is it? Write the story you love to read.
1: Yes, most definitely.
0: Yeah, write the story you love to read. Everybody, that's it for another episode of Writer on Brain.